Well, I am so excited to be here. Are you excited to be here? That was terrible, right? So I'm excited to be here, first of all, because I am just sick and tired of quarantine. I was stuck at home and tried to get this test done, and it took them forever to get the results back, and so it was just, it was painful, and I know Sonia was as glad for me to get to come back to work as I was. So it's exciting to be here, but I'm also excited because we're starting a brand new series starting tonight over the next five weeks called How Not to Wreck Your Life. How Not to Wreck Your Life. Now, when you think about your life, and I think about my life, here's something we all kind of know to be true, that there, there are many people that live by so-called words of wisdom, right? There's the so-called words of wisdom that people live by, and I want to give you a couple of them, and I want you to help me answer, kind of fill in the blank at the end. Here's one kind of philosophy or a phrase of wisdom that some people live by, and it's this, if you want something done right, do it how? Yourself. All right, only one person knew that one, right? The rest of you the lazy people in the room, right? So if you want something done right, what do you do? You do it yourself. Another one is good things come to those who what? Wait, right? Good things come those way. That's a philosophy that many people live by. They think it's words of wisdom. And here's the last one. If it ain't broke, don't what? Don't fix it, right? And so we have these weird maybe uh, words of wisdom that we think are phrases of wisdom, and it's how we live our life. But the problem is this, is that these things that we call wisdom, they all fall short, don't they? They all fall short because you can take one of those phrases and you can live it to the nth degree and still wreck your life. Let's say, just take, for example, the one, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What if you entered your marriage with that mentality? Well, I mean, what if you've been married like 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and you have that kind of mentality of, hey, if it ain't broke, I don't fix it. What, what does that mentality do for you? That means that you're not going to invest in that marriage. That means you're not going to take time to pour into that marriage. You're not going to nurture your spouse. And what you will find out eventually, because you live by that philosophy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and it doesn't appear to be broke, so I'm going to do nothing with it. Here's what will happen. Eventually, you'll not only drift apart, you'll what? fall apart. See, the problem is that these philosophies are these maybe phrases of wisdom that we think we live by. They're all flawed, and they all fall short because of this, because ultimately none of these are absolute words of wisdom. All these philosophies that we live at, all these things that I just stated a while ago, none of them possess absolute wisdom. Now, here's what I mean by I say absolute wisdom. Here's what I mean. Wisdom that is universal consistent, and eternal. Here's what that means. Wisdom that is good for everybody, wisdom that never changes, and wisdom that will last for all eternity. Will any of those phrases fit into that category? Absolutely not. So if we're going to say, hey, okay, Doug, how do I not wreck my life? If I'm going to live in such a way and, I, and I'm not going to wreck my life, Doug, what do I need to do? Well, it's the, the answer is easy, but the task is difficult. Here's the answer. We need to live our lives seeking God's absolute wisdom. That's how we spend our lives. It's seeking God's absolute wisdom. Well, Doug, what is God's absolute wisdom? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. It's the Word of God. This is God's absolute wisdom. This is universal. It is for everyone. It is consistent. It never, ever, ever changes and it is eternal. There are two things that last for all eternity, the souls of man and the word of God. And so if we're going to say, hey, Doug, how do I not wreck my life? Well, here's the answer. It's super easy. It's that we need to start pursuing and seeking God's absolute wisdom. But where it gets tough is actually doing it. 
So over the next five weeks, we're going to take some looks at the book, in the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me if you would. Proverbs chapter 1 is where I'm going to be to, uh, in this moment. It's Proverbs chapter 1. And as we go over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at different Proverbs. And as we look at these Proverbs, what we're going to discover is these are absolute words of wisdom that not only do we need to hear, but we need to apply them to our lives. Why? Because they're universal, they're consistent, and they're words that are eternal. So Proverbs chapter 1, I'm going to ask you one more time with me. Would you stand with me in honor of reading God's words? Proverbs chapter 1, we are starting from the very beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 7, and it says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in their learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. Listen to this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yet fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray together. Father God, I love you. I thank you for your word tonight. I just pray that as we go through this, Lord, that you would open our eyes. I know what we just read seems so much like a riddle. We're like, what in the world does it mean? But would your Holy Spirit just give us understanding, give us clarity, and may it truly impact our lives. For it's in your precious Son's name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. Now, as you look at this passage of Scripture, I really think fundamentally it, it kind of answers two major questions. The first question to answer is this, and we'll get to first, is what is the purpose of the book of Proverbs? Now, I started at the very beginning on purpose. I started there not because it's somehow written chronologically, and if you don't start there, you won't understand. It's not why. I started there because the very onset, Solomon lets us know what is the purpose of writing the book of Proverbs. And what I would say to you, it's not only the purpose of the book of Proverbs, it's the purpose that which we have and how we read and invest God's Word into our lives. And so while we, we see the purpose of, of Proverbs in Solomon's side, it's also the same purpose in putting God's Word into our life. And so as we look at the purpose of Proverbs, there's really three things that he says is the purpose of Proverbs. The first one is found in verse 2. He says this, to know, underline that in your Bible, to know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. The first primary purpose of the book of Proverbs is that for those that read it, that they would gain wisdom. I'm sorry, gain knowledge. They would gain knowledge. That they would gain knowledge. And you notice what he said? To know. It's almost in the original Hebrew, it's almost a longing there. He's, he's saying it in a way like how desperate it is to know some things of God. So he tells us here that when the primary purpose of, of Proverbs out of the gate is to gain knowledge. Now, he tells us two areas that we need to gain knowledge. He said to know wisdom and instruction. So two primary areas that we need to gain knowledge is in the area of wisdom and in the area of instruction. And if that's the case, first of all, what is wisdom? If you think about wisdom, you say, well, Doug, isn't wisdom knowledge? Well, not necessarily. So what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is like a coin that's got two sides to it. On one side, wisdom is the gathering of, inf of information that helps us make right choices. It's the assimilating of information. I've gathered this information, and now I know how to make right choices. So when you read the book of Proverbs, or you read Scripture at all, how many times have you read it that as you read it, you, you discover that as I read this passage, it has showed me how to make the right choices in my life. 
And wisdom, and if we're going to gain knowledge, one of those areas we need to gain knowledge is in the area of wisdom, because wisdom gives us information to make right choices. Probably a really good example of that is Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. Don't turn there, but Proverbs 22, 3 says this, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple suffer for it. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying those that are cautious see danger coming, and guess what they do? They take refuge. They take shelter. But the simple or the foolish or the, or the crazy people, guess what they do? They're like a bull in a china shop, and they just meet that thing head on. Now, what is he saying here? That, that Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3 is actually providing wisdom to those that when you see danger coming, the cautious person will take refuge. The foolish person will run right head into the danger. And the point is that wisdom helps us make right choices. And for example, if you were to read the book of Proverbs, here's what you may not know. That the book of Proverbs deals with a lot of areas of life, and it gives us how we're to live wisely in a lot of different areas. It talks about marriage. It deals with money. It deals with relationships. It deals with inward struggles. I mean, it deals with a ton of things. And so we need to gain knowledge in the area of wisdom, because on one side, wisdom is information that we gain that helps us make right choices. How many of you would like to gain information that helps you make a right choice? Okay, five of you. The rest of you are not so sure, right? I mean, we want, we want information, right? When I'm making a decision, I want to make the right one. How about you? And that's what wisdom is. It's giving us the information to make the right choice. But on the other side of the coin, wisdom is also information we gain, or that we, that we assimilate, information that we get that helps us discern between right and wrong. See, that's also part of wisdom. It helps us get that information that allows us and shows us the difference between what is right and what is wrong. In other words, here's how you are to rightly live your life, and here's the wrong way to live your life. Here's the life that honors God, and here's the life that dishonors God. So when you start panning through the book of Proverbs, or even the Bible, and you start seeing all this wisdom, whether it's from Paul, Solomon, Peter, or Jesus himself, all that wisdom is there for us so that we can take it and we can learn not only how to, how to make right choices, but to learn what the difference between right and wrong is. For example, Proverbs chapter 3. You know the verse 5 and 6. It says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will what? Make your path straight. Well, how's the wrong way to live according to that proverb? Lean on your own understanding, right? That's the wrong way to live. You know why? Because your understanding is not God's understanding. Your ways are not God's ways. And the last time I checked, he's way smarter than any of us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So the wrong way to live is to lean on our understanding. But the right way to live is to what? Lean on his and let him make our paths what? Straight. So when we look at wisdom, wisdom's not just about, you know, gaining all this knowledge so that we can make right choices. Wisdom is gaining this information also so that we will know the difference between what's right and what's wrong. So he says here, I want you to gain wisdom in the air, the knowledge in the area of wisdom. I want you to gain knowledge in that area, but I also want you to gain knowledge in the area of instruction. You notice there he said this, to know wisdom and instruction. Now, when you say the word instruction, typically you might think or lean toward this idea, which is not right. It's like, kind of like when you bought something at the store and you brought it home and when you open it up, you had to put it together. It comes with what? 
an instructional manual, right? Which how many of you probably don't use that, right? You throw it away and assume you know it until you really screw it up and then you go back to it, right? And so there's an instruction manual. And that instruction manual is a how-to to put this thing together. That's not the, what the word here means. The word instruction here literally can be translated to discipline or to correct. That's how it can be translated. So he says, listen, I want you to gain knowledge in the area of wisdom, how to make right choices, what's right and wrong. But I also want you to gain knowledge in the area of instruction, how God disciplines and how God corrects his children. Now think about that. Is it important for you and I to understand how our Heavenly Father disciplines and corrects his children? Sure it is. In fact, if you were to read a lot of these Proverbs, here's what you'd find out, and not just Proverbs, but all through the Bible. When you read Proverbs, you see a lot of this. You see a lot of rebuke, and you see a lot of warning. If you live this way, this will happen to you. If you live this way, you'll be blessed. If you live this way, here's the assumptions we can make about the path that you're on in life. And so all the way through the book of Proverbs, there's this tension between, you know, a warning and a rebuke. Why? Because the book of Proverbs, to a large degree, helps give us correction. Now, how many likes to be corrected? Nobody. But is it necessary? Man, you better believe it. And he says, I want you to gain knowledge in the area of instruction or correction. Because Proverbs is filled with it. And probably a really good example of that, maybe one of my favorite Proverbs, is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. Don't, don't be mad at me. The Bible says it. Doug didn't say it, but I think it's great. It says this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is what? Stupid, right? That's what it says. If you, if you, love, if you love discipline, you're going to love knowledge. But if you hate correction, you're not very smart. Now, what's he saying there? He says, listen, if you're that kind of person that absolutely understands that discipline comes from a God who loves you, and that discipline is a picture of how much God loves you and God cares about you. And you love the fact, you, nobody likes to be disciplined, but I also like to know the fact that when I am disciplined, it's coming from a place of love, not a place of anger. And when I love discipline, he says, you're also going to love knowledge because knowledge helps you understand how God corrects, how God disciplines you. But if you hate correction, you're stupid. You're not that smart. That's why the Apostle Paul told Timothy this. He said that all Scripture has been breathed by God, and it is profitable, and one of the words he uses, it's profitable for correction. Now, please hear me on this, church. One of the great values of this book and the book of Proverbs, the wisdom literature, and the whole Bible is this book provides correction for our lives. If we're walking one way and we read God's Word, it will correct the way we're walking and tell us the way we should be going. And so what Solomon says out of the gate here is, listen, one of the most important fundamental purposes of the book of Proverbs is that we would gain knowledge in the area of wisdom and the area of instruction. And he says, here's what that leads to. He says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. In other words, if we truly gain knowledge in the area of wisdom about how to make right choices, how to know right from wrong, and we gain knowledge in the area of instruction, how God corrects and disciplines us, it will lead to a greater level of understanding. It leads us to an unbelievable depth of insight. Insight into what, Doug? Insight into the will, the way, the heart, and the mind of God. Now, I want you to hear me on this. When we gain knowledge in the areas of wisdom and the areas of instruction, 
It gives us a deep understanding of the heart, the mind, and the will of God. What does God expect from us? What does God want from us? What breaks the heart of God? What makes the heart of God? We learn those things. But I want you to hear me. If we don't have that understanding, when life happens, we ask all the wrong questions. When we don't have that understanding because we've not been putting wisdom into our life, we've not been putting instruction into our life, when we don't have that understanding, we ask all the wrong questions. Well, Doug, what are wrong questions? Well, let me give you two. First one is this. When something happens, we ask this. God, why is this happening to me? That's a wrong question. And the second question I've heard people ask over and over again in almost 30 years of ministry is, why do bad things happen to who? Good people. See, when we don't have understanding in our lives, we ask the wrong questions. We ask questions that are ridiculous. But if we have that understanding, if we're putting in that knowledge of wisdom and that knowledge of instruction and we're putting it into life, it gives us an understanding. And the understanding helps us ask the right questions. So instead of asking, why is this happening to me? We'll say, God, because it's happened to me, how can we make this matter in my life and for your glory? God, because I know from your word, because I've learned from your word that there's no one good, no, not one. Now teach me and open my eyes to what it means to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to you. Help me discover that. See, when we have understanding, we ask the right questions. And so Solomon out of the gate says, listen, the point and the purpose of Proverbs, first and foremost, is to help us gain knowledge. The second thing he says is found in verse 3. He says, to receive instruction in wise dealings and righteousness, justice, and equity. So the second thing he says, the second purpose of the book of Proverbs is to teach us how to live rightly. It's to teach us how to live rightly. Now, I want you to hear me on this, and please don't miss this. It's one thing to gain knowledge. It's another thing to live it out. Are you with me on that? Say amen. I hope you're with me on that because uh, the first point is, hey, it's all about gaining knowledge and gaining knowledge regarding wisdom, gaining knowledge versus with instruction, and that should give you a deep understanding. But secondly, he's saying here, listen, it's not just about knowing, it's about receiving it. Taking the knowledge that you've been given, receiving it, assimilating it, and applying it to your life. See, the book of Proverbs helps us not only gain knowledge, it helps teach us how to live rightly. And so we're to take all this knowledge and we're to apply it to our lives, but we're also to allow it to lead us to make wise decisions. He says here, he says to receive instruction in wise dealings. That word wise, that phrase wise dealings is basically just referring to wise behavior. That we need to take the knowledge we have about the, from wisdom and the knowledge we have about God's instruction in our life, and we need to take that and apply it to our lives, but allow it to lead us to live with wise behavior. Now, he lists three things here that we need to be focused on not just knowing but doing. He says righteousness, justice, and equity. The first thing is righteousness. Righteousness just is referring to moral behavior, our moral life. So in other words, it's not just enough to know how to live. You have to choose to live that way, right? Are you with me on that? It's not just enough to have it up here. You've got to live it out in your life. So it's not just enough to say that you know what a moral life looks like. You've got to live a moral life. You've got to make a decision. Now listen, this is where the rubber gets and meets the road for us. See, many of us who've been in church for a long time, man, we've got knowledge. I mean, we've, we've, we've put the Bible in us, and we've read Bible, and we do our daily devotions, and we have all this knowledge about God's wisdom, and we have all this knowledge about God's instruction in our lives. We have a deep understanding, but for many of us, we've never put it into practice. We know it, 
But we sure aren't living it. And see, the book of Proverbs challenges us to live rightly. Take what you know and live it out in your life. So he starts with righteousness, moral life. Not just good enough to know about a moral life, you got to live it. And then he talks about justice. Now, the word justice here is an interesting Hebrew word. And really what it means is an ability to discern about assessing and handling a situation. That's what it means. So in this case, doing justice is not just doing what's right. It's the ability to discern and assess and handle a situation. So in other words, it's not just enough for Emily over here, for Emily just to be able to discern, okay, here's how I need to handle the situation. Here's what's going on. I've assessed the situation. Here's how I need to handle it. It's not just good enough to know that. She needs to what? Do it. Several months ago, I got done teaching an Old Testament survey class, and a couple of young adult, young ladies walked up to me, and uh, they said, hey, we got a question for you, Doug. I said, sure. They said, hey, it has nothing to do with the Old Testament, but we just got a question for you. We've got somebody that's in our life. We've got a friend that, you know, is kind of a friend, and we've had some issues, and we've had some struggles, and we just don't know biblically how to handle the situation. Now, if you know me very well, you know that, man, I, as you're talking, my wheels are just flying. I'm like, I got this verse, I got that verse. Let's just talk. And so I thought, okay, I got to slow down because my brain's moving faster than my mouth is. And there's really two things these girls need to know. First of all, they need to know Matthew 7. That if someone's offending you and you're going to go to them, you need to make sure you take the log out of your eye before you go talk to them about the speck in their eye. So we talked about that. And then we talked about Matthew 18, how it's their responsibility to go to the person, not anybody else. That they've offended them, it's their responsibility. Now, here's the thing. Did I give them knowledge? Absolutely. But what really matters is if they took that knowledge and what? Did something with it. See, that's why the Apostle Paul says knowledge is puffed up, but love edifies. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't live it out, you're just a bunch of hot air. He says, listen, it's not enough to know. You got to do. Isn't that, what, isn't that what the Bible says when it says, don't just be hearers of the word, but what? Doers also. And then he says the word equity. The word equity here says righteousness, justice, and equity. Equity is how we treat others equally. Man, if there's ever a word for our, our culture right now, it's this word, equity. It's treating others with equality. In other words, it's the idea of it's not just good enough to know how to treat others, but you've got to treat others that way. It's not just good enough to know that we're to love our Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. We have to choose to actually go show love to our neighbor ourselves. It's not enough to know it. We've got to go what? Do it. And so when you look at the book of Proverbs, the two fundamental uh, purposes, one is to gain knowledge, and secondly, is to teach us to live rightly. And let me give you the final and the third, the third purpose. It's found in verse 4 through 6. Look at me again. He says, to give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. Now, here's the third thing that's the purpose of the Proverbs. It's to grow us spiritually. Now, let's just take it outside the context of Proverbs. Any wisdom literature that you read, whether it's Proverbs, Psalms, Job, it doesn't matter. Any of the teachings in the New Testament of Jesus, any of the teachings of the Apostle Paul or Peter, anything you read in Scripture that teaches how we're to live life, that's wisdom. Amen? Amen? That's wisdom. And he says the wisdom, one of the purposes of this book is to, is to show us wisdom in such a way that it could grow us spiritually. And if you notice there, he outlines three kinds of people. The first one, he says, the simple. 
Now, I'm not going to ask you what you think simple means because you're probably wrong, all right? So like simple, like Dave and I were watching uh, um, uh, the Titan games last night, and there's this guy that was on there, and his big thing was country strong. And when we say country strong, this, this, bro, this guy was like country, like nobody's business country. I mean, he, wasn't, he, was like, I mean, he was a little chunky, and he just slaughtered everybody. So when you think of like simple, sometimes we think of maybe not intelligent, or maybe, maybe, they, maybe they sound, not, that's not what it means. Simple just simply means, that, or basically means this, those that are gullible, naive, and easily led astray. Have you ever met anybody like that? You ever met a believer like that? Man, they love the Lord, but man, they have no convictions. I mean, they're just gullible, they're just naive, and they're easily led astray. And here's what Solomon says, to the simple, wisdom gives them prudence. In other words, when, when the simple person who's easily led astray, who's gullible and who's naive, when they put God's wisdom and they put God's knowledge into the heart, it gives them prudence. The word prudence just means the ability to be cautious. That's what it means. To be prudent is to be cautious. Now, why would God give prudence to those that are simple? Well, it's, it's because of this. Because people that are naive and easily led astray are also people who are typically driven by their emotions, right? If they feel it, they go do it. They're also the, typically the people that react quickly. But when they start putting God's wisdom into their life, and they start putting God's instruction into their life, and they start putting God's word into life, that word gives them prudence. It gives them the ability to be cautious. So instead of responding quickly, now they will think deeply. Instead of being driven by their emotions, they will be driven by what is the right thing to do. And so for those, maybe you're in the room and you're, or you're watching and you said, Doug, that kind of describes me. I am a little bit gullible. I am a little bit naive. I am, I am a little bit easily led astray. Well, when you put God's word into your life, the way it grows you is because it gives you the ability to be cautious when you look at a situation. It kind of speaks out to you when a moment happens that kind of causes you to put the pause button on and go, okay, I'm not going to respond out of emotion. I'm not going to respond out of just being quick to respond. I'm going to take time here. I'm going to think deeply about it, and I'm going to be driven by what's the right thing to do. So he talks to the simple, and then he talks to the youth. Did you notice that? Now, youth does not mean young. It means inexperience. In other words, those that have come to the faith that have not been a part of the faith for very long, maybe, a, maybe an early, a young believer. And he says to the youth, wisdom brings knowledge and discretion. Knowledge and discretion. Now, we all know what knowledge is, right? Knowledge is just the ability to learn what is true. That's what we're talking about. So when someone who is young, someone who's new in the faith, I don't know, maybe you've been saved less than a year, maybe less than two years, you would fall, probably fall in this category. When you put the truth of God's Word into your life, guess what it does for you? It gives you knowledge. It gives you knowledge of how God wants you to live and how God doesn't want you to live. But it also gives you discretion. You know what discretion means? Discretion basically means the ability to behave wisely before men. The ability to behave wisely before men. Now, think about it. Why would a youthful, inexperienced, new believer need discretion? Well, let me give you an example. There was a guy when I was in high school. I won't tell you his name, but it was Brian. So anyway, there was a guy when I was in high school, and he got saved. Have you ever met somebody when they got saved? I mean, they like they got safe, safe. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they, they were like, whoo. I mean, they, they were on fire floor, probably the way we all should be. 
Well, he was so excited about his faith that he was the guy that I remember, you remember talking about going to door-to-door evangelism with, that we never got into somebody's house. But when we would go out with him, and when he and I would go door-to-door, and we'd go to all these houses, I mean, he had zero discretion. I mean, he, he didn't act wisely at all. So when someone, I mean, he's like a believer, like maybe one to two months in this thing. And we'd go to the door and knock on the door and they open the door and the guy would say, they would say something like, hey, get out of my house and shut the door. Well, instead of him responding in a godly kind of way, what would we expect? He would scream back profanities toward those people. So we'd be like, well, I still do that. Well, that's bad, right? But the point is this, that when we put God's word into my ma- our lives, those people who are youthful, that are inexperienced, they have a tendency to default back to who they used to be. Why? Because they're inexperienced. They have a tendency to default back to their old way of living, their old behavior, their old attitudes, their old vocabulary. But when we continue to put God's, if you're that person and you continue to put God's word in your life and his wisdom in your life and instruction, it will give you discretion. It will change you and remind you, this is how you behave wisely before people. And then last of all, he talks to the wise. And here's what he says. Look again. He says, let the wise hear and increase in their learning. So to the simple, the way he grows them is by giving them prudence or caution. To the youthful, the way he grows them spiritually is by giving them knowledge and discretion. And then to the wise, wisdom keeps them encouraged. You know who the wise people are? Wise people are those who hear, listen clearly, and do what God says to do. That's a wise person. And he says, for those of you that are wise, keep hearing, keep listening, keep pursuing. Don't stop. You've not arrived. You're not there yet. So even though you're wise, even though you hear God's word and you're doing God's word, don't stop. You just keep pursuing him. You just keep coming after him. Don't stop desiring to do what is right. And when you do what he says, that will produce understanding and that will produce guidance. The more we pursue God and the more we put God's word into our life, guess what? That word gives us direction. That word gives us guidance. It's as if he's telling us, don't stop being a fat Christian. You know what fat stands for, right? Faithful, available, and what? Teachable. Don't ever stop. I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian 38 years. And when I study Scripture and I learn, I'm also reminded of how much I don't know. How about you? See, to the wise, he's saying, don't stop. Keep pursuing. Now, as we look at the book of Proverbs and we ask this question, what is the purpose of Proverbs? It's, it's simple. There's three fundamental purposes. One is to gain knowledge, to teach us to live right, rightly, and last of all, to grow us spiritually. Now, here's the second question I think we all have to consider, and it's this. If all that is true, where do we begin? If that's true, where do we begin? Look at verse 7 as we close. The fear, everybody say the fear. Everybody say the fear. Of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, yet fools despise wisdom and instruction. Where do we begin? With a biblical fear of the Lord. A biblical respect and awe of who He is. 
Well, Doug, what does that mean? Let me tell you what the fear of the Lord means. It means believing that his promises are secure. All 7,474 promises of God, they are all secure. So if he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, you can take that to the bank. When he says, I will work all things together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, you can take that to the bank. Fearing the Lord is saying that I believe every promise is secure, but I also believe every threat is real. See, that's what it means to fear the Lord, to live in the tension that says I'm banking on his promises, but I'm also banking on his warnings. See, that is the root of, That fear, that kind of fear of the Lord is the root of right living and wise conduct. And then you notice what he says there at the very end. Yet the fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, with all that being said, with all the purpose and all the beauty of wisdom, there's still those people who just don't care. It's almost like he's saying, okay, here's the benefits of wisdom. Here's where it begins. It begins with the fear of the Lord. But you've got a choice to make because there's those that are going to hear what I'm saying and they don't care. And I think that truth should ring loud to us in this moment. We have a choice to make. Now listen to me. We have a choice to make. What are you going to build your life on? Are you going to build your life on the wisdom of man? See, if you build your life on the wisdom of man, here's what I can promise you. You will wreck your life. You will. So are you going to build your life on the wisdom of man? Are you going to build your life on the wisdom of God? Because only God's wisdom can direct and protect our lives, our marriages, our finances, our relationships, and our influence. Only his wisdom. And so maybe you're sitting there going, you know what, Doug? Hey, there's moments in my life I've, I've not lived according to God's wisdom. I've lived according to man's wisdom. Well, here's what I want you to do. Confess that to the Lord. He knows it already. Just confess it to him. Repent of that. And make a commitment that from this point on, from this point moving forward, that you're going to build your life. You're going to build your marriage. You're going to build your finances. You're going to build your work ethic. You're going to build everything in your life on his wisdom, not man's wisdom. We all have a choice to make. Which one will you make? Let's stand together as we pray. Let's all stand together. God, I love you. I thank you for this moment. I know reading Proverbs can be kind of hairy and seem like definitely like a riddle that we're trying to unpack. But God, I pray that that we can truly understand the essence of this passage. That out of the gate, Solomon just wants us to know that this is the purpose of wisdom, not just just his book, but all the wisdom we see in Scripture. It's to help us gain the knowledge regarding wisdom and, and instruction. It's to help teach us how to live rightly. But every bit of wisdom in your in your word, Lord, is also there to grow us spiritually. And there's some people here, there's some people watching that are simple. And may they understand when they put your word into their life, it will give them caution in how they live. There's some people here and there's some people watching, Lord. And they're wise. May they be encouraged to keep moving on, to not stop. 
But Lord, there's some people here and there's some people watching that are young, youthful, not because of their age, but because they're inexperienced in the faith. And they need to know when they put your word into their life, it gives them knowledge, but it gives them the ability to teach them how to behave wisely in front of a lost world. So God, I pray that you would speak to us in this moment. I pray that we would make a choice and we would answer the question, how we're going to build our lives. Are we going to build it on the wisdom of man? Are we going to build it on the wisdom of your word? Because one will wreck our lives and one can rescue our lives. So God, help all of us right now, right where we're sitting as we watch or right where we're standing in this moment, may we make a decision of what we're going to build our life on. God, I love you. I thank you and ask you to speak to us in this moment. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.